you, River Valley. I am excited for our next series here, Red Letter Questions. And uh, just excited to be able to jump into the questions that Jesus asked. And today we're going to look at one that deals with worry. And uh, he, Jesus asked a bunch of questions kind of all together in Matthew chapter 6, but they all have to deal with worry. And uh, I just want to read it for you and then we'll jump in. Uh, but it says, Jesus is talking, he says, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? He's like, aren't you worth more than food? Aren't you worth more than clothing? Aren't you worth, I mean, seriously. And he goes on, and, and I'll read a little more in just a minute, but it's going to deal with worry. And uh, I feel like Jesus is asking us in this text, why are you worrying? Why are you worrying? And he's really telling us to stop worrying. And uh, we could do a whole series on worry. One of the hardest things for me in this message was just to stick with that uh, questioning that Jesus does about why are you worrying? Why are you worrying? Stop worrying. Um, but as we set up this series for just a moment, let me just say this. You can tell a lot about someone by the questions they ask. And there are some people that are great at asking questions. I'm amazed by them. Um, one guy in our church, uh, Ray Pinson, that guy can ask great questions. I mean, we went out to dinner. I could barely eat. He just kept asking me a question. And then he'd say another one and another one. And, then he'd and I'm like, where are you from? Or, you know, I mean, I'm just trying, I'm trying to go as, as fast as I can. But, you know, another friend of mine, uh, Matt Keller, friend of mine, pastors of church in uh, Florida, Ask great questions. I mean, the guy's already, always ready with questions. So the other day I asked him, I said, how come you all have such amazing questions? He said, I actually have a question file in Evernote that I'm building of really great questions. And I said, send that to me. And so uh, he did. And I said, man, you always have great questions. And just an example of one on, on there, he'll say like, hey, what's the best money you've ever spent? You're out to dinner with him. And you're like, ah, wow, that, all right. And then he started talking. He asked uh, the other day, he said, if we were to take a sample of 100 people your same age, how many of them would be happier than you? And how many of them would be sadder? And I was like... <laughs> How do you answer that? <laughs> One would be happier, I guess. I don't know. None. I'm the happiest. I don't know. But I mean, we, it just got us to talking, which got us to say. But he asked good questions, and um, I hope that we'll ask good questions. And here's another thing. Instead of asking people what do they do for a living, it's a great question to ask people where did they grow up. You can find out a lot about people, and that can go a whole uh, different direction than what do you do for a living now, and where did you grow up? But uh, anyways, the questions that Jesus asked, they're amazing, they're great questions, and uh, they're questions that keep you on your toes. Even when Jesus asked a simple question, like, what are we going to feed these guys for dinner? How many know that's just not a simple question? That's not just an easy one. That's like... Are you ready for a miracle? There's something way behind it. So we're going to look at some of the bigger questions that he asked. Again, this one, I'm summarizing uh, this series uh, that Jesus talks about with worry. And I'll read the, the full passage. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. And we'll read a few verses here. It says, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you eat or what you'll drink, nor your body as to what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? Another good question. And who of you by being worried can add a single hour to his life? Great question. 
And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. And yet I say that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and is tomorrow thrown into the furnace, which, by the way, they would use flowers after they cut the flowers, used the flowers, and enjoyed their beauty, they would use those as fire starter the next day in the fire. That's what he's referencing. He's saying, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. One translation, or your Bible may say, the heathen, those people that don't even know God. Those are the type of questions that they're asking, wrong questions. And he says, um, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So this succession, this, this bam, 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 right after each other, question, 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 why do you worry about that? Don't worry about that. Stop worrying. It comes right after the Lord's prayer where he's already told them, pray, you know, give us our daily bread. Take care of us, Lord. He's, he teach him how to pray. And then he gets into this and he's saying, don't worry. And if I could say this to the church, don't worry. Stop. Don't, don't worry. This is something that Jesus wants to set us free from. An anxiety, a worry, and that, that fear that grips our heart. Because worry is so destructive. Studies have been done about anxiety and worry. And um, anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the United States, affecting 40 million people, about 18% of the population. I mean, you think about this. People with anxiety and people that are worrying all the time, they tend to go to the doctor more often, and they said that it costs our healthcare, our, our healthcare nationwide about $148 billion dollars. Because people that are full of anxiety, full of worry, and they're just constantly going to the doctor. And it's, it's a great expense, but it, it steals our joy. It takes away the fullness of life that God has for us. And so I look, what do, what do Americans worry about? And it's interesting. We, number one, at this poll in 2015, it said, we worry about health care. How are we going to take care of this body? We worry about the economy. Number three was future terror attacks. Four was Social Security. I'll just skip through. Number eight was crime and violence. Number 11, unemployment. Number 14, race relations. Number 15 was climate change. Not number one, two, five. It was number 15. Just thought I'd put it in context, you know. <laughs> we live in Minnesota. We might be for it. I'm just saying, but, yeah. There's a lot of things, though, that people are worrying about. A lot of things that people are worried about. And you think about that health care, even if you could put that all together, it's, it's really Jesus is saying, you know, you're worried about your body. And a lot of people are worried about the, the economy. We're worried about money and how we're going to pay for things and how we're going to take care of it. So Jesus is very on point with what we're worried about today. Um, individually, it said women and men are worried about different things, just a lot of the same things, but the number one thing was different. Women, the number one thing that they worried about was their appearance. Um, it, it was, again, the same survey. It said they were worried about appearance, then finances. Men, it was finances and then appearance. And then it said um, the average woman has to worry about six body parts every day and the average man, three. <laughs> Moving on. All right, okay. Just saying I was like, not going to spend any time there. <laughs> Worrying causes trouble in your mind. It causes trouble in your body. 
It causes trouble in your decision making. And when you're worrying and not living in faith, not trusting in God, all of a sudden you're going to make poor decisions. You are going to start being ruled by fear and ruled by things that you see and not by faith. And so Jesus is telling us, stop worrying. It's needless. It's senseless. It's useless. It's faithless. And really, it's sin. Jesus wasn't just telling us, hey, you know, if you can, try not to worry. He was telling us that when we worry about things that God has in control, when we don't trust God, we're really sinning. And he's saying, stop worrying, stop sinning. I want you to live this abundant life. I want you to have the life that God has for you. It's an anonymous quote, but it says, worrying does not empty tomorrow of its troubles, but it empties today of its strength. I believe that. You sit there and worry, and you worry and you worry about what might happen, what's coming down the road, where's that? And all of a sudden, you start losing the strength for today, and as a, it just steals your joy. That worry steals your joy, and next thing you know, you can't enjoy all that God has for you. Again, it clouds your decisions. And I want you to realize this. Again, same study found that 85% of the things that we worry about never come to pass. 85%. Now, 15% that does come to pass, almost all of that comes in way less than we thought it would. So even the, the small percentage that actually comes true that we worry about comes in way less than what we're worrying about. And I want to tell you this, I don't want you to get peace from the odds, I want you to get peace from God. All right? It may be 85% never happens, but even for the 15% that does happen, God is in control and he will get you through what you're facing. So we can stop worrying. Now, what does it mean when he says don't worry? Because, you know, some of us like, uh, Jesus says don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. And, you know, I'm looking at this. Does he have the copyright on don't worry, be happy? Or what is it, you know, that is there? And he explains it. He gives us some examples. He uses birds. He uses days or inches saying you can't get taller or live longer. And he says... um, the flowers, they, they're there, and he uses them as an example, and he talks to us about trusting God. And um, I want you to be very clear. I want to be very clear with this. He's not saying don't try. That's me. No problems, no worries, no problems, take it easy. You know, that's not what he's saying. He's not saying don't try, because if you look at birds, and again, I'm not an expert, but what I've observed about birds They work, they adapt, they feast some days, they forage other days, they dig, they regroup, they get up early. These are the things that birds do. They have action without worry. I want you to grab that, action without worry. God is for action, and God wants us to be involved. He wants us to get out there and have action without worry. Then he uses flowers, and he says, they grow without worry. They just grow. They're, they're beautiful. And, and, and he's saying, hey, if, if they can be taken care of and they have a short life, if they have a short life, they're here and then gone, and I'm taking care of them, and they just grow and they don't worry, grab something from this. You can, you can work, you can grow, and you don't have to worry. And, and planning in our life should bring us peace. It should not bring us pacing. And so when we're planning in our life and we're looking at this, we're saying, God, I plan, I want to work, I want to I get prepared. Um, I don't want this to cause me to pace. I want it to cause me to have peace in my life. 
And I just realized that as I look at birds and I look at flowers, I realized that they, they take pleasure in just doing what they were created to do. And I believe you and I were made and created to be with God, to be in relationship with God. And we should take pleasure in being with God and realize that that's our ultimate goal. Now, when you look at Jesus, you'll see that Jesus had peace when things were thrown at him. Jesus had peace. And, and again, I'm trying to set this up so you understand. It's not just like, don't. I mean, I love it that Jesus never told his disciples, like, don't worry. You know, like, you know, don't worry. Yeah, it wasn't like that. Whenever they brought a problem to him, he solved the problem. But you didn't see him worrying about the problem. When you think about all the problems that he faced, I mean, he's in the, he's in the boat uh, asleep and there's a storm. He's sleeping in the midst of the storm, and he gets up and rebukes the storm. He has a, an answer to the problem. Um, he needs a room for a banquet. He needs a room for a banquet so he can, uh, I'm sorry, for a meal, for Passover. He's got to have a meal, and he tells his disciples, hey, you're going to find a guy carrying a water pot on his head and go up to him, talk to him. He's, he's got a room for us, and he's got a solution for the problem. I mean, you think about it. He needs uh, uh, to come into the city and have his triumphal entry. He said, you're going to find a colt, and you're going to find the foal of a colt. You're going to find it. It's never been ridden on. It's going to be tied. Go ahead and get it. And if the person asks you that owns it, tell them that the master has need of it. So he's solving problems. He has to pay his taxes, just like you and I. And he says, go fishing. I'd love to try that, but I don't think it's going to work. But, but it's worked for him. You understand? You even see when Mary is frantic, I mean, at least that's the way I read it in Luke 2, I believe it's Luke 2, where um, the wedding feast, and no, it's not Luke 2, anyways, I don't want to get distracted on that, the wedding feast, John 2, I believe, and uh, Mary's like, hey, they've run out of wine, they, they, this is an embarrassment, Jesus, you got to do something, and he's just calm, hey, it's not time yet, she's like, do something, take, take care, do, do something, and, and how many can just see your mom, perhaps? You know, do something. You know, do something. My mom. Okay, my mom. Do something. Do something. Come on. Fix this. And he's like, okay, I'll take care of this. He's always got an answer for the problem that comes to him. But he's, he's planning and he's responding. But you never see Jesus worrying. And I could hear some people say, but, but when he faced the cross, that looked a lot like worry. No, that looked like preparation to me. He's like, can I withstand this? If he was worried, the text would have told us, he kept asking his disciples, do you think I can make it? Do you think I can do this? How bad do you think it's? You see what I'm saying? That's worry. But he wasn't like that. He's like, pray with me. I'm gonna spend time with God. I've gotta get ready for this moment. He was not worrying about it. He was preparing for it. And there's nothing wrong with preparing. And worrying is not the same as problem solving. As weird as this sounds, I, I, I should have run this definition by a couple people, but I, I made this definition up for myself. I just feel like worry is passive, active anxiety. How does that work? I think it's not helping, but it's active and it's anxiety. That's like worry. It's like, I'm not fixing it, so I'm kind of passive, but I'm active in my mind and in all this struggle and I've got this anxiety and I'm not solving it. 
um, maybe you can build on that and make it better. But I think it, you get the point. It fuels the problem and it creates new ones. And God does not want us to worry, but he's okay with us planning. He's okay with us responding. He's okay with us facing obstacles head on and meeting them. And if you're a leader, I can tell you this, uh, it's okay to be alert. I believe this, as a leader, I'm alert, but I'm not worrying. I'll see a problem. I'm like, all right, we need to fix that. How are we going to fix that? And I'll jump into alert mode and, and do that. Um, when we were on a global team, um, they told us that Logan was gone. We were in China, and we went to this restaurant. Um, I almost said we went to a Chinese restaurant. We went to a restaurant <laughs> and... Uh, and had the left, it was a Chinese restaurant in China. Uh, and we had the leftovers. All right. And uh, they, we, the, the guy said, hey, we're going to go feed some homeless people the leftovers. We can't eat this food and not, uh, you know, just let it go to waste. So they took it and they took Logan with. He was just a little, little guy, like maybe third grade. And um, I can remember they, they said, we don't know where Logan is. He's gone. He's gone. And immediately in that moment, I was alert, and, and, and I'm, I'm not throwing Becca under the bus, but in that moment, she was like, ah, ah, okay. And I was like, pull yourself together, you know. I mean, literally, it was like that. And I said, get a picture of Logan. Get it down to the front desk. Show it to them right now. She's like, okay. I'm like, you guys go that way. You guys go that I mean, and I went into to problem-solving mode. That's not, I wasn't worrying. I was alert. And there's a difference between being alert and worrying, Okay. And it's okay to be alert. It's okay to solve problems. So Jesus is not saying just walk around like la, 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 la. But he's saying walk around realizing God is in control. We're not ignoring it, but we understand who's in control. And this is something, total confidence in God is something that marks the Christian. Total confidence in God is something that marks the Christian, and so we've got to get this right. We've got to stop worrying about things in this world. We've got to live with a total confidence and peace in God. We can solve problems. We can be alert, but we need to live with this marked confidence that he's the one that's in control, not us. I can't help but think about a story that my mom shared recently uh, years ago, years, uh, years ago over a dozen years, um, my dad needed heart surgery and he needed a valve put in, an artificial valve. I believe it was a St. Jude's valve. And they put it in and, and uh, when they did the surgery on him, uh, he came out of surgery and the surgeon came up to my mom and he said, do you have any questions? And she said, did he do good? Yeah, he did good. Okay, um, he'll be in there this long. Okay, great. And then he goes, anything else? And she's like, nope. And he goes, Okay, you, you, he goes, I gotta ask. You're like the first person that I've talked to that hasn't asked me if he's gonna, like, if he's gonna live. People always ask, like, are they gonna live? You know, are you, did you wanna ask that one? She goes, nope. And he goes, uh, she goes, she goes, I didn't think you were in control of that one. Total confidence in God. I didn't think you were in control of that one. That's why I didn't ask you that one. And that's the way a believer needs to live. I have total confidence and peace in my Lord and my Savior. I have total confidence in God, and I will not live in crazy worry and show a lack of understanding of who God is. The God that has forgiven you of your sins, the God that breaks your chains of bondage and the things that have held you, that's the God that can fix today's problems. That's the God that can take care of you right now. And Jesus says, 
heathens run around worried about all this stuff. And he said, it makes sense. They don't have a loving God that takes care of them. So it would make sense that they're running around looking frantic, worried about this, worried about that, worried about all these things. And he said, because they don't have a God that will take care of them, but you have a God that takes care of you, so stop worrying. And he gives us the way to overcome the worry. In verse 33, he starts, and he gives it to us right there. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He said, all the things that the world's worrying about, he's like, if you'll put God first, he's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of you, but you got to seek him first. I want to tell you this. You've got to get this right. If you want peace in your life, if you want to overcome worry, it's really a heart issue. Your heart has to be fixed on Jesus. Your heart has to be fixed on your Savior. Your heart has to be fixed on God. We can have two people with the exact same problems facing them. One is in total peace. One is in worry and anxiety. It's not the circumstances, it's what's going on in here. And Jesus says, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be taken care of. And so the first thing I tell you, if you want to overcome worry right now is you have to seek God. You have to spend time with God. You have to know God. It has to be the first thing, not the last thing. And I think it's so interesting when people will come for prayer requests. They're like, Pastor Rob, we've done this, this, this. We tried. We we, we just have to come for prayer now, you know, because nothing else has worked, you know. And it's almost, you know what I'm saying? Seek first, seek first, seek first. And it's getting to know God. Psalms 9 verse 10 says, Those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. We did a whole series. Matter of fact, I think we did two or three series on the names of God. And we talked about how faithful God is and how his names show us how faithful he is. That he's Jehovah Jireh, your provider. We talked about all the Jehovah names and the names that were attached to that 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 show how he's going to take care of you. We talked about other amazing names of God, God Almighty. We talked about deliver, I mean, all these different names. And he's saying, those who know your name, trust in you, you've never forsaken them. And you've got to know God more. I'm talking about being in the Bible, being in worship, Some of you, if you have anxiety and worry, I give you permission to come to every service all weekend long. All weekend. I'm serious. I I do see some people that will do that. I'm like, hey, just so you know, next service is on video, and it's going to be the same as the last one. You're good. They're like, yeah, I'm just here for a little more. I mean, I don't mind. And they're like, just a little more. Maybe there's something I missed. You know, and I give you permission if you are living in worry, if you're living in anxiety, to go ahead and grab hold of this and say, I want to seek God more. I want to be in in the Word more. I want to be in the worship time more. Another thing that I'd say if you're worrying, you need to appropriate who God is into your life. What do I mean by that? I use that in that healing series, and I want to grab that again because um, appropriate means to take something for your own use. And you make it yours. And we just finished talking about promises and God's promises. Um, It's about taking what's there and saying, that's mine and I'll use it in my life. And this is going to get me through. And as you know the word, you appropriate 
the word of God and you make it yours. Isaiah 26, three says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. You read that and when you appropriate it, you say, that's mine, it belongs to me. And you live it, you believe it, you stand on it and it changes the way you live. And when something comes against you, you don't say like, well, I'll make it because I'll fight through it. You're like, no, I'll make it because that's what God's word says. You're going to keep me in perfect peace. My mind is fixed on you and it's mine. I own it. Again, my wife just owned scriptures when she was going through a time of worrying and anxiety. Next to her nightstand were all these cards and she just owned them. And she'd be like, that is mine. That is mine. I'd hear her getting ready in the, in the bathroom and she'd be saying those scriptures. And she's like, that is mine. Until they became hers. And they were like, I, she was like, I own these things. God has given them to me and I appropriate them to me. And you need to appropriate them. One preacher said the, the world, if they were given as amazing promises as the believer is, they would grab every one of them. We ought to grab them. Grab them and appropriate and say, it's mine. And if you're not appropriating the promises of God, go back to step one. Come to all the services. Spend more time with God. I'm just saying, all right? Third thing, I'll, I'll just end with this. Remember how faithful he is. Remember how faithful he is. You may be new in the faith here and you're saying, I don't have a track record of God's faithfulness, but I want to do this here and at all of our campuses in just a moment. All right? In just a moment, I'm going to ask some people to stand. All right? So if you have been following Jesus for 20 years or more, think about it, do the math. 20 years or more, you've been walking with Jesus and you would say he has been faithful. He has brought me through the struggle. He's brought me through to the other side. I can tell you, I can tell you when he was faithful and when he did it again and when he got me through again and again and again. And you would say 20 years. So here at all of our campuses, I mean, this is like testifying. This is like, this you're saying there. And you can even say amen or whatever you want when you stand. But if you've been faith, if you've been serving God for 20 years and you would say in front of the church now, he's been faithful. Come on, stand to your feet right now, 20 years or more. Look around the room here at all of the campuses. Those are veterans that say God is faithful. God, let's give them a hand clap of praise. God is faithful. God is faithful. Stay standing. Those people stay standing. Stay standing. All right. Here at all the campuses, look around the room, look around the room. If you're young in the faith and you need somebody to tell you that God's been faithful, look around. I guarantee you, if these people have been living for Jesus for 20 years, they will not be bothered if after service you grab them and say, tell me where he's been faithful. They will not be bothered. Matter of fact, it might make their day that they're able to tell you how faithful God has been. He's been faithful. I can't see what's going on at every campus right now. I'm looking around the room. Like, I can see miracles and prayer requests and this, and I know stories. I wish I had time to go into it and say it, but I'm telling you what, God has been faithful. He is faithful. He will be faithful. Go ahead, grab your seat there. Psalm 42, 6. He says, my soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan, the heights of Hermon and Mount Mazar. I mean, he's like, I remember. And he starts listing places. And he says, I remember how faithful you were there and there and there. That's what we want to do in life. We want to say, God, I remember you were faithful there, there, there. I don't need to worry. You got me through the struggle, through the pain, through this tragedy, and I can make it through to the other side. I don't have to worry. Our experience with God certifies that he is in control. 
Psalm 46, 1 through 3. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar in foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Martin Luther is said to have stated about that psalm. He used to say to his friends, let's sing Psalm 46 and let the devil do his worst. How many remember that old song? God is my refuge and God is my strength. How many remember that? I mean, why are, there's such good theology. There's such good scripture, but they are so cheesy. (laughs) Pastor Ryan, please rewrite these. Man. I'm not going to fear, though the mountains tremble, though they roar, though it's cast in the sea. I'm going to remember that God is faithful. He's going to get me through. Let the devil do his worst, but God is faithful. He won't let me down. So Jesus is saying to you today, why are you worrying? Stop worrying. Don't worry. When you go outside today, it'll be beautiful. There'll be flowers. Look at them and see how faithful God is. There'll be birds. See them flying around. Remember how faithful God is. When you see those 20-year veterans, you'll see how faithful God has been. Don't worry. Don't worry. Grab hold of God. And I thank God that I don't have to just tell you, like, you can do it. God can help you do it. God can give you the strength to do it. And I want to pray right now that we will put worry aside and, and God's faith will just well up within us. We'll have faith in God, hope in God, believe in God, trust in God. And we'll say, I don't care what the world throws at me. I'm not going to fear in Jesus' name. So Lord, I just pray right now that you'd help us to live in faith believing. If we can trust you with our salvation, if we can trust you with our bondages, if we can trust you with our struggles, we can trust you right now with today's issues. We can trust you with the economy. We can trust you with with our health. We can trust you in all the things that we go through. We can trust you in Jesus' name. And so God, we just say, you are faithful. We remember what you've done. We see the world quaking and trembling around us and we say you're faithful and we believe it and we stand on that. Lord, we will not worry, but we will trust. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.